from the Swiss Alps to the Canadian Rockies, celebrating unique connections between Switzerland and Canada. Brought to you by the Swiss representations in Canada. Bonjour and welcome to our podcast. My name is Sarah Bagdasarians, Project Director at the Consulate General of Switzerland in Montreal. Today, my guest is Caroline Bishop. She's a journalist and author of the novel The Other Daughter, recently released in Canada by Simon and Schuster. Good day, Caroline. And, Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Um, could you please tell us about you and your book, The Other Daughter? Sure. So I am a British Canadian, I have dual uh, nationality, and I live in Switzerland. I've lived here in, in Lausanne since 2013. Uh, before that, I was living in London and I worked uh, a journalist writing about London theatre. Uh, which was a lot of fun. And then I moved out to Switzerland because my partner got a job here. So I turned freelance and began writing about Switzerland mainly. I do a lot of travel articles and I was working for a website called thelocal.ch, which is an English language uh, news website primarily for the expat market. And that really got me to learn a lot about Switzerland. I feel like I got to know the, the country and its culture very well. And I'd always wanted to write. I'd tried to write novels in the past. And then being out here in Switzerland and being freelance, I had a bit more time. And Switzerland really inspired me. And partly through my work as a journalist, I became interested in, in topics such as the history of women's rights here. And this all sort of shaped into in my head <laughs> to become my, my first novel, my first published novel, The Other Daughter. Um, and it's a dual timeline, part historical novel um, set in the Lausanne-Montreux region in Switzerland and also in uh, London in the UK. And it follows uh, a woman in 2016 who has discovered a big secret about her family life. And she comes to Switzerland to try and find out more. Uh, 40 years previously, in 1976, her mother Sylvia was a journalist who came to Switzerland to report on the ongoing fight for women's rights. And something happened to her while she was here. And that's what her daughter, Jess, has to find out in the current day. So what made you want to write about the women's liberation movement and the social expectation back in the 70s? And how would you compare it to uh, nowadays? Firstly, I, I found it really fascinating that women in Switzerland got the vote at national level in 1971. It just seemed so late to me. And also, obviously, yeah, on, at cantonal level, some of the cantons held out for another 20 years. So that was really fascinating. And so I was sort of looking into why that happened and what other rights were still to be fought for after the 1971 uh, date. So, yeah, I just found that all really interesting. And I think perhaps it chimed with me. At the age I was, I was in my late 30s and a lot of my friends and myself were dealing with issues surrounding, you know, juggling family life with starting a family, the issues that come up regarding, um, you know, whether you can work full time or part time, what, what you want to do with your career and how achievable that is while you have kids, the cost of nurseries, all these things were sort of, I suppose, on my horizon. So I just found that really fascinating. And the more I looked into it, the more I sort of was able to compare, I suppose, with the UK, um, where I grew up. And I think I sort of expressed in the book that although in terms of legislation, the UK was was ahead of Switzerland, I think it still took a long time for attitudes to change. And, you know, certainly in the 1970s, but still today, I think there are still a lot of issues across the Western world that we are still dealing with, um, you know, 
at the moment it's in the news a lot in the UK about the the ongoing cost of nurseries and how how prohibitive that is to to women going back to work. Um, and there's still, I think, while I was writing this uh, in 2019 in Switzerland, there was a a march about equal pay because women still there's still a big gender pay gap here in Switzerland as there is in many other countries. So these things are still very much ongoing and. Uh, it was really interesting to delve into the past and to sort of see the origins of these issues and then to sort of become aware that, yes, a lot of progress has been made, but we've still got a way to go. Then you were talking just earlier about the, the cost of nursery, which we also have, uh, while Canada has been uh, making decisions about uh, that uh, recently, actually. So it's a an ongoing subject across the world. And um also um the the voting system and um uh the women's rights in general what i really liked about uh, about your book is the differences you made between the 70s and uh 2016 based in romandie and i wanted to know what made you choose romandie um i suppose that's because that's where i live uh so it's the part of the country that i'm most familiar with um, and also when I was looking into women's rights, I mean, there were uh, women's liberation movements all over Switzerland, but the one that, that sort of came to mind most strongly was uh, the group in Geneva. And I found quite a lot of information about that in my local library. Um, so I suppose that that just inspired me uh, to set it in this this area. Um, it's also such a beautiful place and it allows me to, to give lots of lovely descriptions about the about the area. And talking about research, how did you go about all your researches and especially comparing two countries? Yeah, it was a bit of a minefield. I mean, as you know, Switzerland's quite complicated in terms of the, the political structure. And so there was quite a lot, uh, you know, when you're looking at the laws in Switzerland and, and when certain rights were granted, it's not a uniform thing. You can't just say women got the vote in, in 71. That's not the whole picture. So I had to do a an awful lot of research to... Uh, figure out, you know, which rights came to women at which times in different areas of the country. I went to the library. There's a, it's a great uh, university library here in Lausanne. So I spent time there and I spoke to people and did an awful lot of internet research. There's a lot of government information, actually, about obviously when laws were passed and the various legislation. So that was really helpful. Yeah, that it was a big fact-checking exercise <laughs> in subsequent drafts to make sure I got everything right and um, because, you know, I, I wanted, even though it's fiction, I wanted to portray the fic the um, historical context accurately. So that was quite a big challenge for me. Absolutely. And um, what about the, the research in the UK? Did it come uh, more easily or how did you go about it? Um, perhaps a little more easily, but again, it was just a lot of reading. I read some really interesting nonfiction books about women uh working in journalism through the through the ages but obviously focusing particularly on the 70s and I think that was a really interesting subject to look at partly partly because I'm a journalist but also because it I think showed how particularly 70s 80s in the UK although we had things like the Equal Pay Act and the Sex Discrimination Act things like that which brought women rights a lot earlier than in Switzerland journalism was still a very male-dominated profession and so the experiences of women in that industry really showed how little had changed in terms of attitudes so you know you can 
you can pass the sex discrimination law say that women should be treated equally but it doesn't mean that they actually were so that was just really interesting to, to sort of it showed me how the law isn't everything that that people's attitudes take a lot longer to change and that's true wherever you are i think oh how do you think we've evolved or not as regards um, to these yeah, I, I definitely think things still need to change i do think it's primarily about attitudes i don't know for me the the main thing is just choice it, it's not to say that women shouldn't stay at home with their kids if they want to it's not to say that they have to go out to work if they don't want to but that they should have the same access to those choices as as men have and you know it goes hand in hand with with equality for men as well i mean i think perhaps there are men out there who who actually would rather be a stay-at-home dad but they don't get that choice and so it's making the playing field level i suppose it's it's giving good access to nurseries and childcare so that both parents can work if they want to it's making sure that women earn the same amount as men for the same jobs so that it's not the woman that always has feels like she has to give up her job when they have children, that it could be equally the man, you know. Um, I think there are some countries that are doing that better, you know. I think there are countries in Scandinavia that have really good paternity leave policy where it feels like men and women can share that a bit more, but that's certainly not the case here. I mean, it's only been in the past few years that men were allowed two weeks paternity leave after the birth of their child. I mean, you know, two weeks, that's all, and they have to go back to work. And even maternity leave here, I think, is 16 weeks still. So, you know, I think if countries had shared parental leave, there was more access for both men and women to decide what works for their family rather than feeling forced into one way, that that would actually it would help women, sure, but it, it would actually help everyone have a fairer life, I think. And in your book, you also talked about, well, let's say maternity, uh, the, the, the choice of being a mother or not. Um, well, I guess, yeah, in the past uh, few years, this issue's sort of, I mean, it's always been very pertinent, but it feels like it's been in the news even more with everything that's been going on in the States. Again, it was something that really um, surprised me living here and finding out, you know, that um, the, the abortion was legalized in 2002. Um, maternity leave was until 2004 I mean these things came so late that I suppose yeah as a woman in her 30s thinking about these issues it really just struck me you know how would I feel if if I'd been living here and and yeah you know didn't have these rights why was it so striking yeah because because growing up in the UK we'd had these rights for a lot longer I mean the abortion law in the UK dates from I think 69 68 or 69 um you know it was a long time previously and maternity leave has been around for a lot a lot longer as well um so I suppose it's just the contrast the same as the voting mm -hmm. the voting rights 1971 um it just doesn't feel I suppose that long ago to me <laughs> um and so you know moving to a moving to this country and feeling like, well, if I'd lived here 20, 30 years previously, I, I wouldn't have these rights. It just seems, yeah, it, it brought it home to me, I suppose. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, I've forgotten your original question. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I just wanted to know how, well, why you chose to, uh, to, to put that subject in the book on the top of, you know, the, the woman searching for uh, her mother's secrets. Yes, because it's all connected. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's, it gives a broader picture of women's rights. And I think um, I was reading about, how, you know, the women's liberation movement in the 70s. 
voting was an aspect of it, but it wasn't really the most important thing to them because they felt that getting the vote was kind of meaningless unless society changed in other ways, um, that women's bodies were still very much controlled by men. So the vote was important, but it wasn't really the whole picture. And so coming from that, learning about that and mm -hmm. wanting to portray that, it then felt natural to want to talk about how you know how abortion and maternity leave and all these things have affected women since you know when these rights were achieved and how they how these issues affect women's lives i think women's rights is not just about voting it's about how we live in society and mm -hmm. having equal opportunities and a lot of lot of that i think is or has in the past been determined by biology and then you also have like two characters that that person from the UK coming to Switzerland to meet another woman who actually is having a career in uh, 2016 and as opposed to her not having one. How did you choose to portray it that way? I think I wanted to portray sort of all aspects of, of women in these situations. Um, I don't feel that these things are clear cut I don't feel that there's a right way or a wrong way to sort of be a woman it's um and so but I wanted to sort of show the contrasts between women's choices and the the difficulties that that we have in making these choices I suppose you know there are women who really want kids and can't have them there are women that really want a career and family but find that it's too difficult to to juggle the two You know, there are there are all different aspects to being a woman, particularly being a woman in your 30s, late 30s, when you're you have biology to contend with. <laughs> um, and so I wanted to show that there isn't any one path. I have a I have a character who doesn't want kids and is perfectly happy with that. I have another character, my main character, Sylvia, who thinks she doesn't want kids and ends up falling pregnant accidentally and has to then deal with that and you know, I look around me at my friends and women in their 30s and all these all these different situations are real life. And that's what I wanted to portray. I didn't want to have a story where it was just saying you must do this or this is the right way because there isn't a right way. You know, it's really well-rounded in, in your book and uh, well, people can identify to one or the other character. And I wanted to know what were your challenges while... Uh, writing this book how long did it take you um yeah it took quite a long time as I said I'd, I'd written previously but um mm -hmm. I'd never had a book published so I was very much feeling my way um I was still learning how to write a novel I still I'm still learning how to write a novel I don't think it's something that you just learn and that's that it's a sort of ongoing process but um I started writing this I think in 2016 and it took uh, I think a couple of years to get to the point where I was sending it out on submission to try and find an agent. And I was juggling that with freelance work. I think one one of the things of when you start out as a novelist, it feels it feels like a pipe dream that you'll ever get it published. So I really wanted to do it, but I also felt like, well, I need to continue to earn money. You know, I can't just dedicate myself full time to this thing that might never actually earn me anything. So, you know, it was trying to juggle, juggle those things. But once I got my agents and then we worked on it together for a bit longer. So I think it was probably three years in all before it, it got sent out to, to publishers. 
It was actually published in the UK first, about mm-hmm. a year previously. Um, okay. It came out during lockdown in the pandemic, and then it was a bit later uh, in Canada. Yeah. And what would you like the the person who the readers to to take from your book or to remember remember from your book? Um, I want my books to be thought provoking. I don't want to dictate anything, but I just want to make people think. And um, although it's a very women focused book and I I imagine that most of my readers are going to be women I really would like men to read it too and the ones that have who you know some people some men have contacted me to say oh I I wouldn't perhaps have ordinarily picked up this book but I did and I really enjoyed it and it really made me think and that's really important to me because I think we can't move the conversation on regarding women's rights unless men are included too absolutely um what would be do you have any anecdotes that came along your path i loved being able to write about the area that i live in um actually that's what i suppose that's one thing there, there's a little bar here in lausanne called le bar bar mm-hmm. and um when i was looking into this story i wanted to put it in the book just because it's quite a historic historic place But then I realized how sort of pertinent it was to the story as well, and not not specifically women's rights, but just to that sort of youth movement in the in 60s and 70s. And I discovered that it was shut down for a while because um, young people there were smoking pot. <laughs> and um, I just thought it seemed quite quite sort of appropriate to be <laughs> included in my novel. And it actually recently just um, was renovated and has reopened. They do a really good hot chocolate there, which oh, is named after okay. the... Um, the one of the long-time uh, owners of the place so if you ever come to Lausanne go to Le Baba and get the Marta hot chocolate <laughs> okay I'll, I'll, I'll do that is that by the cathedral yes it's on the okay. market steps just down from the okay. cathedral yeah so it's really where it's located in your book as well then hey yeah okay yeah, and I walk, I walk past it you know every day and it's nice to think that I can put these little details mm-hmm. from the place I live in my writing I enjoy oh, that's that that's fantastic Any new project coming along? Yep, um, I'm working on some new things, so I can't really say a great deal about them right now, but um, hopefully there'll be another book in the future at some point. So we can follow you uh, on your internet site, which is uh, carolinebishop.co.uk. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, I really appreciate it.